You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Sarah Box, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. And this week, we are joined by Allison, Dr. Allison, JK. And I'm going to share a bit about Allison with you. Um, and then I'm just going to move on over because she has a lot of information to share with us. So, Dr. Allison, JK, this is a, a quote I pulled and that I just love this, that Dr. Allison JK has secrets no one else uses to upgrade, inspire, and disrupt old paradigms within her community and the collective. So think about it, no labels, no limits. We're all about, you know, disrupting paradigms and actually our internal conscious and subconscious beliefs that keep us limited. Dr. Allison J.K. is also an award-winning, number one international best-selling author and the founder of the Bright Vibrational Upgrade System. She's an experienced public speaker with more than 25 years of experience as a mind-body energy healer and working in yoga, meditation, Qigong, energy medic, medicine, mind-body fitness, longevity, and holistic health with a specialization in the chakra system. So listeners, we are not covering all of that today. I would love to, but we, <laughs> we're not going to have an eight-hour podcast. It's just not happening today. But Couple months. We are, <laughs> it'd be a long one, and it'd be cruel to you having just come back from traveling. But I think it's important for us to know that Dr. Allison's mission is to support the next higher evolution of the collective and create change for the health of this planet and those who are ready to unleash every part of the magic within them. Yeah, it is. So that actually welcome, official welcome, Allison, to the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes and I'm happy to be here. Hi, everybody. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes to. I never know. Um, I think with you, it could go in so many directions. But let me start out by asking you a question about that. Um, when you say unleash every part of magic within us, what exactly are you talking about? What is the magic you're talking about? When, so I lived in Asia for 10 years um, after already doing energy medicine and holistic health and wellness sessions as my side gave whilst a classroom teacher uh, here in the States. Um, I moved to Asia for 10 years and became an administrator and teacher in the international school system. But I chose Asia instead of some of the other countries I was being offered positions in because that's the seat that I had come to understand at that point of not only who has the ancient wisdom about how to work with energy, but still operates their paradigm from it, that understanding so that I can learn more about how consciousness works, how meditation works, how subtle energy works. So. I say that because I approach this from a very different perspective, this being working with subtle energies or in energy medicine. I don't tend to call myself a healer um, because I, I look at it from the human potential perspective. And in my 10th year, I was writing what started as my dissertation, but um, 
became my first book, What If There's Nothing Wrong, and came to understand that as I returned to the States, my mission was, man, if we in the West only understood and valued what goes on in the subtle realms and the invisible beyond our mind, beyond what we can point to and say, um, that's true because I can see it, I can believe it because I can point to it and it's physical, we would have so much less suffering and so much more thriving. Um, and so that is the underpinning of my mission and what I have come to understand and have operated from, frankly, my whole life and just have learned how to cultivate it is our intellect. Now, mind, this is a woman with a PhD sitting here saying this. Our intellect is only a part of our toolbox. And when we learn how to, for example, I did through the practice of meditation for decades and then taught it, manage, discipline down as if uh, disciplining a dog, our minds, we, there is so much more to us beyond the conscious mind whose thoughts we hear during meditation and observe. But then there's the unconscious and then there's the subconscious. And then as we refer to in the West, it's a, it's a buzzword nowadays, super consciousness, which is in yoga, the higher self. Learning from the Taoist principles behind Qigong and the yogic principles, I was trained in India. The subtle energy that moves throughout our system is also a part of the greater field of the Tao, or what I've come to call the greater field of possibilities. That is all chi or life force or prana flowing through rocks and trees and you and me and every one of us. Accessing that makes life a lot easier. And the more we work with more than just our mind and we understand our chakras have certain powers in each one and we cultivate that power the easier everything gets the less we're forcing things the less we're making things happen the less we're paying attention to never mind adhering to the labels our mind produces about someone or the snap judgments because our, our mind's job is to label but learning how to embrace the potential that's inherent within each of us, but also that's becoming possible on our planet now from 2012 to 2032. It's an incredibly unique time. And so much so that my subtitle, of my second book was, um, listen to me going, um, yeah, I remember the title of my book, uh, Vibrational Upgrade, A Conspiracy for Your Bliss, and the subtitle, Easing Humanity's Evolutionary Transition. And that got included by my publisher for such a wordy subtitling because he knows my mission and knows what I'm up to. So learning how to let go of being addicted to struggle and moving into the celebration of being in a body on planet Earth at this time and all that we can create is really where my joy juice gets humming. Okay, you've packed a lot into that response. And so I'm going to go in reverse order. (laughs) Well. I may not remember all of it, but why are we addicted to struggle? What is that about? And is that uniquely Western? Okay. So the first title of my first book, the title of my first book is what if there's nothing wrong on purpose, right? So the nature of the ego mind is to um, be in action and it gets in action easier than any other way when it has something to chew on. Hence the phrasing, figure it out in the States in particular. We love that here in North America. 
So the, yeah. And what we're fed from the media and from advertising, then, I mean, that was my second major. I came in as a psych major and three semesters on, I was like, I was horrified. I was like, you're not teaching me how to be the happiest, most thriving version of myself. You're teaching me about how to use this for industrial management or capitalistic purposes or proving yourself to be a hard science. So I went to mass communications where I learned uh, the marketplace behind advertising and the targeting of advertising and how that chops us up into labels. And so we get this input from all around us about who we are and the nature of the mind is to label so when we're living life busily and we're productive citizens and we have families to raise and jobs to go to or businesses to run and health to maintain and exercise workouts to continue and eating healthy and being informed and a responsible citizen, we're skating on the surface of life, really working from our ego mind without the space that is required and needed to touch the other parts of our mind, body, spirit system. So it makes it easier to throw out labels and it makes it easier to live from those labels. But that's the laziest, most reactionary aspect of the mind. And it's automatic. And so learning that's how to going to ask is like autopilot. Yeah, it's, it's automated. It is. It's its primary function. It's like, yeah, it's, it's primary function. Okay. So I come to you and I say, I'm tired of my little, little monkey mind. Go, 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 go. And yes, it serves me well and for whatever. Um, but I want to, I may use the wrong language here. I want to drop okay. into or up to or connect. With that. <laughs> right. You know, I don't know what direction we're going, but somehow I know there's more and I want to be there in that space. Um, I don't know if it's an energetic space, Allison, but what would be one of the first things you would say to me? And, you know, besides read all my books, but it's like, just like, how do I start that? You talked about like, you know, training your mind, like you would train a dog, right. To just settle down. How do we do that? Well, I mean, I'm sorry to say this because I know everybody wants the quickest answer, you know, in, in a three minute YouTube video, it tells you the answer to how to have peace, but it's a process. Hey, you know, I mean, like I, it really does take some practice to, carve out a new pathway neurologically and behaviorally. And it just doesn't happen by taking one afternoon off and going to the forest. So meditation is honestly not the quickest way I've learned um, because I created vibrational upgrade system, which is half based on my meditation background and half based on energy medicine. So getting yourself to first acknowledge that you are not your thoughts and that what are your thoughts don't have to be listened to. So the meditation practice is helpful in getting that detachment, that distance, so that you can not just be your thinking mind and do what your thoughts say with no room or space between action and after thought telling you to take action. But once you're detached enough and you see a thought, Instead of it saying, worry about this, again, the struggle paradigm, be concerned about that, be anxious about this. Wait a minute. So here I am questioning my thought because I have enough distance to observe it. 
what if that's not even true? So this is called a redirect and Tibetan Buddhism uses this. And so does in the West cognitive behavioral psychology. I go with two questions. How does it get any better than this? What else is possible? Because that redirect is done in the, wait a minute, what if that's not even true? You could stop there, but the universe abhors a vacuum. And by needing to be right and have the accolades you get from being right all the time, that then doesn't leave space for the vacuum. But if you ask a question, that opens up that space for something more than your intellect to come in with an answer, like your higher guidance team, for example. How does it get any better than this? What else is possible? So in the midst of a worrying train of thoughts that your mind is trained to follow thought A, worry one, with thought B, building on worry one, thought C, automatically building on worry one, right? So in, down that train, instead of going down it, being able to pull up off of it <laughs> and redirect, you're creating a new neurological pathway that creates space for a new behavioral pattern as well. But the questions then invite in that magic that you were asking about earlier, Sarah, to start to activate more. So we have this guidance. All of us have a guidance team. No, just me. Just you. So you're special, <laughs> Allison. I don't usually use sarcasm. I just had to do it, Sarah. You, you know what? Sarcasm works for me, so I get it. <laughs> you pulled it out of me. <laughs> it just it does. It works for me because it's not mean. If it were mean, I'd say, okay. okay, well, this has been a really great podcast. Nice meeting. No, no I, <laughs> I appreciate your sarcasm. So, but I'm serious, um, yeah, obviously, exactly. because I the question that follows on that for mm. me is how do I know or learn to trust that what I'm sensing yep. is coming from my guidance team, if you will, versus my ego saying, no, you got to do this. Yep. Is there a, a way, a distinction there? Or is that just practice also, Allison? It's, it's both. And I mean, this is very much what I teach I, in, um, to my students learning how to become or up-leveling as vibrational upgrade practitioners. The intuitive development is a I mean, I have specific stuff I do on retreats, like I just returned from seven weeks in the UK leading on these retreats to help cultivate intuitive development. So it's a curve. I mean, and it's a okay. skill, for sure, like learning to play an instrument. However, um, the intuition is able to be sensed at a more beginner level. If you think about your intellect and how it processes it feels kind of like a machine. I mean, if you think of an old school clock, like they made in Germany or Switzerland, and you think of like the copper wheel with the notches in it, and it has to fit in the other um, maybe brass wheel with the notches in it at just the right time. That mechanistic sense is the intellect, one thought leading to another. Uh, the intuitive voice has more of a sense of being like a feather or a parachute that either just floats by softly, doesn't demand attention the way the ego mind's thoughts do, or drops in like a parachute. And the ego mind has a sense of um, roughness to it, whereas the intuition has a sense of kindness to it. 
So a lot of the times the next question that happens is, and what I felt like was implied in what you were asking, Sarah, is, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, is uh, how do I tell if it's just my imagination and I'm making up, making it up? Yeah, I, I think that is, in, that is inherent in what I was asking. It's like, what's the difference? Like, am I just making it up or is it just something I want? Yeah, it is that distinction. And I think you started to answer part of that in the feeling of the experience of the thought. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because um, what you just said is like one of the things that I started talking about in 2021 in the midst of COVID was watch in the next in the coming years, you're going to be push to have a new relationship with the statement too good to be true. So I notice that if someone gets intuitive guidance that is positive, affirming something that they want is coming true. There's more doubt and cynicism towards getting what one wants than there is towards the struggle paradigm and having an issue or having a problem. So one of the key areas where you will tend to dismiss your intuitive guidance and think it is just your imagination making it up, saying what you want to hear, is when it's saying, yes, this is coming. So I feel like you could think of the non-intuitive voice as a bully in a way. And you could think of the intuitive guidance as like a soft, gentle deer wanting to help guide you to greener pastures if you want a tonal or textual difference i love that because that's helpful for me personally that like that difference you did create a textural difference for me right that bully which is demanding and trying to evoke fear in you and all pushing 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 and and it makes it evokes in me a sense of I'd really like to swear at you, right? Not you, Allison, but the bully. You know, it's like, hey, back off versus that nudge that says, hey, you got this, go. go. This, is, yeah. this is a Jesus. great thing. Do it. Just yeah. Do it. So there, but there is a very different feel there. Sarah, you know, it's important. I love that you just pointed out and emphasize the textual aspect because, you know, as I teach intuitive development, and again, just freshly out of doing another round of retreats and trainings, It so much involves sensing textures and tones. Intuition isn't what uh, I think a lot of newer people to intuitive development think of it. Like you don't start opening your third eye after oming for 10 minutes and start to see like what you're supposed to do. It's more just kind of like it sounds a lot like your voice in your head that that pushes, but it's that tonal difference that we just went through. and. The sense of, so there's different intuitive abilities. One of them is clear sentience. So clear, C-L-A-I-R, just means intuitive or psychic. So sentience is feeling, and that occurs in the third chakra. We all have our clear sentient machinery in our upper belly. And that's when you know, you know, somebody's energy is good or somebody's energy is bad or don't go here, walk out of this room clairvoyance is seeing with a sense of intuitiveness and clear audio audience is hearing with that sense of intuitiveness. And for me, like I remember 
being in this one session back in the beginning days of starting to give energy medicine sessions. And I had this sensation. So it was clear sentience coming in first of being pulled down like this black inverted vortex so that what was right behind me was this the bigger part of the cone and I was being led down to the thinner thinner part and it was going downwards and way far behind and I was like okay so this is another tool to use with your intuition that I teach my students is that hey ask it questions so I sat there and paused and I said can you show me next because something more so I can better understand that sense of what I just got. And so that's when I got the visual of the blue, the black cone I just described. And I still didn't understand it. I'm like, can I have some more information, please? So I sat there with my hands over this woman's um, torso and channeling the light. <clears throat> and what came in was the phrase uh, past life. So I came to understand that when I get me, when I get a cone that looks like that, I'm getting information about the person's past lives. So usually people are stronger in one of the three that I just named, intuitive capacities, naturally, innately, but the other two are relatively easily developed alongside. What was your strongest one before or as you were doing this work? Were you more dominant in one? Mm, I think clairsentience, yeah. yeah. And then clairaudience and then clairvoyance, lastly. I'm pausing. Like, just I don't walk around seeing auras. You know, I mean, I, there was one specific time I can point to in my life when I was going for my master's and I was uh, putting myself through working as a server. And I walked in and one of my co-servers had orange all around her. And I'm like, you're sick. Didn't even know orange meant sick. Don't know that orange and aura actually means sick universally as a formula. All I knew was that that, or that orange was creepy. <laughs> and so I knew the interpretation was the sister's sick. So and she was, and she went home. But I mean, I feel and perceive through my clairsentience more so. And then I hear stuff that helps. And do folks you work with initially in the, until they've worked with you tend to discount what they're hearing or seeing or perceiving? Sensing? Yep. yep. That's a, that's one of the great, so there's two really massive, the stuff I've talked about already are the quicker things to learn. Really? There's two massive segments of intuitive development that are the biggest learning curves. And one of them is what you just asked. And the other one is the courage to follow through on what it tells you to do. <laughs> So the distrust part and the doubting part of the intuition, it's, it's, that's really just practice and getting better at like, okay, I heard this and wow, it came true. Okay, I, 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 I was shown this and wow, that information was accurate. Like you receiving confirmations from friends or family members or even clients if you're doing this work, like as you start to do it and rely on it, you're going to get you could ask, hey, universe, show me some, um, help me along with my intuitive development with confirmations when I get an intuitive piece of information. You don't have to make it that wordy. <laughs> help me have more confidence in my intuition. You know, well, you'll get. It sounds like we could ask that we just never think to. I know, because it seems too simple. We're supposed to struggle and have things complex, right? As you had already pointed out. Let's just make <laughs> this as hard as possible. Please, and difficult and uncomfortable. Yeah, that it's not that was that not a good question. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
So, and Sarah, let me say this. Yes. So, so remember in the beginning, I was talking about the mind, the ego mind. That's the term that we have in Buddhism for it. And in the, on the yogic path, Buddha was doing yoga and he pulled um, the meditation part up and out of the yogic path and just taught meditation, went and traveled around Asia and all different schools, three different main schools formed throughout Asia around Buddhism. However, yoga has eight limbs to it. And one of those eight limbs are the body poses. Okay. And if you look at the West, in America in particular, our yoga studios are focused on the body poses. Another leg of that, of the eight limbs, is the Ayurveda, the holistic health and wellness branch, their medicine. Five of those eight limbs are about working with the mind. Five-eighths of yoga is about working with the mind. So the ego mind is termed what it is because it's the part of our mind that's attached to our personality, level, self. The part that gets cultivated by our maybe sibling rivalry, parental imprints, conditioning, traumas, karma, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's not really blah, blah, blah. It's totally interesting stuff, but I don't want to go too far down the road there. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so the, thank you. So the ego mind loves to chew, loves to have something to do. Right. So just keep that in mind. It just it, 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 it wants to have a problem. It wants to figure something out. It needs a task to do. It doesn't know how to just be peaceful. You have to train it because its job is given to us in our mind, body, spirit system. In the Western understanding, we have five physical senses. Like when I was teaching AP Psych in the College 101 intro to Psych textbook, one chapter is sensation. Uh, the other chapter is perception. So when our five physical senses pick up a sensation in the physical world through one of them, that's one whole chapter talking about that. And we have thresholds put on our five physical senses because metaphysically, meta meaning beyond, obviously, beyond the physical plane, there is just so much data that we could be picking up. We'd go nuts if we were to. So bam goes those thresholds on our five physical senses. However, in the perception chapter that follows, what then happens is in that set, that perception goes to our data bank within our ego mind of what it has previously experienced. So it can produce a label on that sensation so that it is helping us understand physical life and navigate physical life and keep us safe. And guess what? The adrenal cortex is attached to this, the fight or flight mechanism, so that if we're in a new or unknown territory like the jungle, we have to be on high alert for dangers, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, do I fight or go into flight? Right? So all of this is about keeping us safe in on the physical plane. However, living on planet Earth nowadays in the non-jungle arenas, the majority of us are still are now living in, and no longer still in the jungle, we've learned to be on high alert. And so it causes the ego mind to be in high alert and to need something to chew on. So even when you're not worried, it's almost like looking for what do I have to be on high alert for? What do I have to worry about? So there you have it. Well, it makes me think about what you were saying about your educational journey, you know, like psychology and then the marketing and how do we use language and how, yeah, we're on high alert. And I think 
I'm going to pose this to you and test an assumption with you. But it seems to me that when I like, I will intentionally just stop paying attention to external environment. I mean, I'm not in an unsafe place. I'm just done with the input. But yeah, but I've noticed that what there's everything doesn't matter, like where you sit with something, everything is meant to cause you to feel I'm missing out. They're against me. If I don't do this now, I'm missed, you know, like I'm never going to cut it. Whatever it is, it's kind of like this. Here's you and you got to be here and get the square or you're on this side of an issue or a thought. And obviously you're not going to stay there because we're going to cancel you or whatever. But there's all this turmoil that gets used and it feels like you're pulling, you know, like it feels like putting reins on a horse and holding two different people holding them in different directions and what's happening. And the horse is going, I'm out of here, right? I can't do this. So I'm just curious what our, that kind of psychic piece around us has on us, Allison. You just, I actually feel like that moment of silence was literally that useful. You you checked out (laughs) on me? (laughs) No. You know, I just had a session before our interview today with one of my clients who's in the Philippines and you know she was in the government there and a high-ranking senator and has grew up in England going to boarding school and I just came back from seven weeks in the UK we were talking about it and she got into a conversation about what's going on in the bureaucracies and the political echelons in UK versus US. And one of the things that she said, being a world traveler and having the perspective she does married to a Frenchman, um, was that it's hyper-competitive in the United States. And that's what you just described. And um, you also just described, it was interesting being in the classroom at the high school level when, um, so Facebook had been going on for a couple of years at this point, and I was really thrilled because I didn't have to send bulk emails anymore with a bunch of pictures to friends and family. I was like, to be able to post it centrally, right? It was you're nodding and laughing. But then when the kids started to get involved, watching what it did to already tentative teenage self-esteem and angst, And noticing even for me, who has quite a sturdy sense of self and um, doesn't tend to do comparison because I find it completely useless, I was even sucked in sometimes to, well, why don't more people like my pictures? Like there's this matrix of consciousness around Facebook and social media, not Facebook at all alone. Instagram's even more intense. And it's when you don't, recognize that just because my physical body ends here and your physical body ends there, we still are connected. There's in these awakening times from 2012 to 2032, um, there is this, movement that's happening from the old paradigm before we we established the new one that's meant to be a whole lot better. And so much of what, if not all that we're seeing in like the intense polarities or the cancel culture or the hyper competitiveness is the stuff like a fever peaking before it breaks, stuff getting worse before it gets better. 
So all of that noise that you're, I, I use, I'll use the word noise for what you were describing feels to me as symptomatic of what's not yet created, but what is collapsing. And whilst and just having that awareness makes navigating those arenas easier and just not, it's going to sound kind of whatever, but I think you're going to be able to handle it easily, Sarah, not giving a f, f what other people think. I was going to say the same thing. Like, why the hell would I care about what someone thinks about who, me who doesn't know me? But even if they did know you, the fact of the matter is if you listen, not if you listen, if you think about what the description was I just gave of the ego mind mm-hmm. after a whole lot of decades of research and intensive exploration into this, including using the Dalai Lama's text. He used to meet every other year with Western scientists and psychoanalysts and psychologists and quantum physicists, and he produced books. And I use those books in the global psychology course I created before I taught the AP Psych to high school students. So it was one half was the Psych Intro 101 text, and the other one was his the Dalai Lama's textbooks about you know the combination, looking at the contrast between what's done in psychology and neuroscience and science in the West and what's taught in Buddha in meditation and Buddhism. So realizing that every mind is created from the consortium of the things I named before. And then I trailed off saying, I'm not going to go down that route. And you laughed and understood. Um, I just think of it as somebody who has an unclean consciousness. Why would I pay heed to what their projections produce from their own, you know, series of conditioning and imprints from their parents and traumas? Why am I gay? No. I mean, it takes a while for me to like trust somebody's not trust I trust and I am learning more and more every day to cultivate even more unconditional trust, but to trust somebody else's input to the point that they can give their opinion or perspective on what I'm up to. I have to see that they've worked on their own consciousness and are having what I call clear perception and clear seeing rather than just simply projection. Which if we're moving towards more of a co-creative existence, versus is that correct would you say that because it feels to me like that just in my interactions with people and that's where i love to talk what i love to talk about uh, so i could talk more about the co-creative yeah please do because when you're talking about stuff collapsing i'm thinking but this other's coming up yeah so the debris still falling well this is happening yeah so it's almost like you could think of the times that we're in right now as so intense but yet so auspicious right and so you could also think of the yin yang and you could think of even the chinese character for our uh, for crisis half of it is the word or the character for opportunity right that's not a new concept to the majority of listeners most likely so i had a radio show i was asked by voice america i was back here for one year from the decade in asia and i was approached by voice america to do a weekly radio show on their platform about the mayan galactic alignment now i had been doing nothing public facing about the mayan galactic alignment (laughs) and um I had taken a couple of clients on VIP trips down to the Mayan ruins because I'm on the west coast of Florida. It's just a hop, skip, and jump across the Gulf of Mexico to the Yucatan to reach them. But I wasn't doing anything public-facing with it. So nonetheless, I said, give me 48 hours. Let me tune in and see if it's a yes. It was a yes. I did it. I interviewed a bunch of experts about what December 21st, 2012 meant. Yogi Bhajan and the yoga community uh, decades ago talked about 2012 um, as professional astrologers know that it's the ending of the Piscean age and the beginning of the Aquarian age Mayans 26,000 year 
completion of one cycle. And those are just three of the other, there's many more examples of people who way long ago, including Nostradamus, understood 2012 was a turning point. So it's a 20 year window. And I learned all this interviewing the experts and then listening to my guidance so much so that I got taken on a yoga career. I got asked to be the meditation teacher and energy medicine specialist with these other experts on a yoga cruise to the Mayan ruins on December 21st, 2012, where we got special permission to do a ceremony with the local Mayan shaman at Chichen Itza. TV crews were there from around the world. I had uh, um, colleagues as far away as Poland tell me they'd see me on TV from the shots. And I had just been there the year before and there there were no TV crews. So it was a big deal. In 2012 to 2032 is a 20-year window of what's considered humanity's awakening times. So that's one label for it. And you can look, like, even before COVID, they're increasing uh, yoga studios and meditation apps. And even before that, people talking about skin irritations. And so new detergents coming out that are for sensitive skin and people um, having more sensitivity to food um, allergies. All of that is, like, the system awakening. And so... Part of what's happening is we're opening to these other parts of ourselves that you asked in the very first opening question about the magic within us, beyond our mind, and um, to the parts of us that can help us co-create. Now, in the chakra column, the fifth chakra, I've come to understand, is our creative one. I don't mean about knitting or arts and crafts. I mean about our choices are how we create. And so having the courage to follow the intuitive guidance and make the choice <laughs> that will create something new, one choice at a time without knowing the roadmap or having the how figured out, but letting it organically emerge via the guidance. And when your heart gets lighter, you do it, which is another way to say, listen to the lighter thoughts, that's your intuitive guidance. We're together co-creating a more aligned new golden era. That's what we're meant to be doing now. So the hyper-focus on all that's not working, if we could just redirect the focus onto, okay, so what else is becoming possible now? What lights me up? And create from there. It will naturally have an organic evolution to it where we're working more collaboratively and less competitively, where there's more unity, where there's more empowerment of each individual, where there's less greed. I mean, it sounds ideal, but it really is what we're moving into. The heart aligned aspects of life are those ideals. That's why I said earlier on, since about 2021, I've been kind of cautioning, you know, you're going to work with that. It's too good to be true belief or cynicism because we're moving into an era where it's going to be that way. <laughs> Cynicism is not um, a headspace to be in. Not right now, anyway. No. It's not, it, it dulls your creative forces. Like if you think about, you know, you don't sharpen your knives and you're trying to like cut a piece of um, paper with like a dull knife and how that goes tragically. You know, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking about a, a tomato with a dull knife, but I'll go with paper. Yeah, that's rough too. And then you and then you fix it, and then it flops off the knife, and then like it lands on your finger, and all of a sudden it's sharp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but that but that's such a but that's so true, right? So, um, okay, yeah. Doctor Allison J. Okay, I am going to start wrapping this up because I promised we weren't going eight hours, and I can see this easily getting there. So, um. A couple of things I want you to, if you would be so kind, is 
to leave us, myself and the listening audience, whenever they're listening to it, with a thought for us to take as we go forward um, into 2023. I love that you brought in the new year because I really wanted to. Everything I'm talking about helps you live life as if it's a new dawn. Genuinely, we are in a new dawn time. 2022 was and is the halfway mark between 2012 and 2032. And I sensed at the beginning, actually at the end of 2021, because I usually do uh, New Year's free calls for my community, that this was the year that was, there was going to be a lot of good stuff coming in 2022. And I have sensed so much new that's ready to come in. It just needs humans here willing to bring it in on <laughs> getting out of their own way, which is everything that I spent this last bit of time together talking about how we get out of our own way and allow for more of the higher self to create through us. It's not that you're abandoning yourself. It's not that you're letting an entity from like, uh, I don't know, some star system invade your body. It's not anything, you know, that you've probably seen on a Netflix movie or series, but it's just simply, you know, using all parts of yourself. So the thought moving in is ask more questions in 2023 around the redirect. What if there's nothing wrong here out of this off the struggle paradigm and onto the co-creative paradigm? What else wants to be created here? What else can I create that'll make my heart sing? Because just naturally by honoring your heart and your heart being uplifted, it's going to help the collective. All right. I'm taking that one to the bank. I was writing as you were talking because that, yes. and I know I realized I could just re-listen to the recording. However, I wanted to write it. that posting. Yeah, but write it. I down. write because it it anchors it in my body when I do that. It stops my mind from thinking ahead, and I yep. just go write it down. Kinesthetic so, learner, me too. Or, yeah, kinesthetic learner. Yeah, I didn't know that till I was in college, and some research person working on their PhD came in with the class, and I learned that. I thought, well, that explains a lot. So, yeah, I know. I had much the same feeling when I first learned it too. Yeah. Wow, I get it. It's so simple. <laughs> I wish they would have told me that in grade school. Yeah, I wish the teachers knew that in grade school. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Okay. Time. So, Allison, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the No Labels, No Limits podcast. I've been poking around on your website. I'm going to encourage our listeners, get on over there and check it out too. Allison has so much information and resource on her website. We didn't even touch into it all here. So um, check it out. I'll see you on the website. I'm sure the tracking cookies will find me, but I really appreciate what you shared about how our, how we're thinking or showing up and what it takes, that it's a practice. It's not a one, two, three, here's your quick steps to do ABC, but that we need attention and focus on it and practice. Yeah. And it gets easier. The hardest part is taking the first step. I mean, it's the same thing when you watch a baby go from crawling to walking and the stumbling at the beginning and then they get it down. Right. If you go to my website, vibrationalupgrade.com, for those of you who have been really juiced by this conversation, I want to make two suggestions. One in my shop is my meditation product and there's two tracks. One of them is my first signature talk, the nature of the mind. I just gave you snippets from that. The second track is the most frequently taught meditation technique Buddha used 
that I used for years in teaching people of all ages and all cultures across the planet meditation. And it's um, a good start. You can use it's designed for you to use it in your, as your meditation practice to show you how to meditate. And then eventually you can stop listening to it and you have your practice. The second thing is for those of you who want to get to know other parts of yourself beyond the thoughts you can hear and really start to pull forward your own magic the page that is for the chakra series it goes through each chakra and gives you a general sense of more specifics not just general of the aspects and then therefore blocks that occur in each chakra and then it has a sample clearing uh, recording underneath each chakra so you can do a self-assessment to get to know your system more and get to know the possible blocks that you have no idea you actually have that exist and start to get to work on clearing them. Thank you. That's really generous and very specific. Good. Very specific on how to start and um, where to start. Thanks so for that. Option. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I really um, sincerely I've enjoyed. I'm, I'm still, I feel very full. And so I'm going to digest a little bit our conversation. Uh, yeah. But I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast and I wish you all the best in 2023. I know you will manifest it and create it, but mm -hmm. I, I wish you the best because that means more of us will get there also. Yeah, you got it. And Sarah, thank you. It was a very playful, fun Friday afternoon podcast. Uh, you were a delight to play with in this way. And I look forward to seeing what else becomes possible, whether it's with anything we do together or what we're creating in each of our own corners of the world. I agree. Something's yeah. there. I feel it. I feel it tapping. I have to tune in. Yeah. Good job. Well done, Allison. <laughs> good That's receiving. exactly right. And good receiving Sarah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Right. And listeners who feel that way too, please pay attention to that because that's the inner stirrings of something beyond your ego mind. That's intuitive guidance. Tap, 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 follow it. Listen. Yep. And have some fun along the way. Cause it just doesn't yeah. have to be so dang hard. No laughter, man. You can always tell, like I gauge the uh, spiritual teachers and mentors for me by how much they laugh. That's a good sign. Mm -hmm. That work they do, you know, they walk their talk. Yep. Okay, I have to go. Yeah. I really, I've got to get serious now. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Blessings. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.